0: Well, it's a real joy to be here again and we have this time of fellowship together just looking into the Word of God and let us concentrate on the Word of God. It is so wonderful to have it. If we wouldn't have the Word of God, where should we turn to and uh, where would we be? You know, I remember this uh, experience Arthur and I had on Monday night. We went out on visitation and we went also our cards, but we didn't find entrance into one home. People were very uh, friendly, and they received the literature, and so we came to our last call. It was the last card we had, and it was still early. And we prayed, Lord, if it is thy will, then open the door of this home and that we may talk to them about salvation, about the Savior. And the Lord heard our prayer, and as we rang the bell, the people were very happy to see us, and they said, uh, right away, come in. And so we were very happy, and we sat down with them, and said we were thrilled to have the letter from Pastor. This is a very unusual thing in our time, and uh, so we were sure we will have a great blessing and a great blessed time together with his people talking about uh, the Lord. But I had a, and we had a strange experience, right, Arthur? The more we talked about the Lord Jesus Christ, The more aggravated they became and angry with us, they said, Why don't you talk like people which are living in the 70s? How can you be so narrow minded today to say that there's only but one way to get right with God and to get saved? When they finally asked us, quite upset, to close the book. We had nothing more to talk about. They believed in this trend which will lead us to a world church. They said we have to get away from all those things like the Bible and what is written therein. We have to get together and by reasoning find out a way. You know this morning we will will be talking about the nature of the church of Jesus Christ. What is the church of Jesus Christ? Who belongs to it? Who is called into the church of Jesus Christ? Will that be the church of Jesus Christ when we will have a world church? What is the church of Jesus Christ? A tremendous subject. Let us open now our books, our Bibles and let's turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, and we will read the first is from 1 to 7, and then we will read from Ephesians the second chapter, and we will read from 11 to 22. Ephesians 1 1 to 7. Let us read together. Paul, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness sin, according to the riches of his grace. And let's turn to the second chapter and let's read from verse 11 to the end. Second chapter of Ephesians. Let's read together too. Wherefore, remember that he being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what? which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time he were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, he who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom he also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Let us pray. Our dear heavenly Father, as we have now opened thy word, We would pray that you may bless and seal it to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you may reveal yourself in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, that you may speak to our hearts and that we may go from this place better equipped and more willing to serve thee, to understand more thy word and to love thee more and more. O Father, we thank you for the revelation of thy love, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into this world to die for our sins. We thank thee for the power to forgive in his precious blood, and we thank thee that through faith in him we are your children, belonging to the household of God. So bless us together as we spend this time together in thee. In Jesus' name. Amen. What is meant when we speak about the church? The church of Jesus Christ. What is the church of Jesus Christ? What is it, A building? Is it a certain denomination? What is the church? How would you describe it with your own words? in a Biblical sense. May I have you? yes? Right, that's the body of believers. Some other expression? The body of Christ, that is also called. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Right. Right. Amen. So everyone believing in the Lord Jesus Christ belongs to the Church of Jesus Christ. Right? And I think that is exactly what the Bible teaches us. And uh, it might be helpful to try to find some other definitions concerning the Church of Jesus Christ, which we find in the Bible. We already mentioned that the Church is the body of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.23 speaks about this in our text. And then we belong to the household of God that also is the church of Jesus Christ. Isn't it called also the bride of Jesus Christ? And isn't it called also the family of God? Also in Ephesians 3.15. But let me ask you this. What is the door to get into the church of Jesus Christ, what is the way to get into and to become a member of the church or the body of Jesus Christ? Wonderful. So it is by faith that we become members of this church. Is it by baptism? Is it by confession? Is it why, because our names are written in the church register? No. We are children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that Ephesians is a wonderful exposition concerning the church and its nature and its functions. It's a wonderful uh, exposition on this wonderful doctrine concerning the Church of Jesus Christ, which is the body of Jesus Christ. It is widely believed that Paul wrote this letter from his imprisonment from Rome at the time about AD 61 or 62. He also wrote from Rome, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. We can divide Ephesians in two major parts. In chapter 1, 2, and 3, we find Bible doctrine concerning the Church of Jesus Christ. What a Christian ought to believe what he stands for, how he finds his way into the Church. Chapter 4, 5, and 6 contains deportment as we function as we should work out our salvation which we already have received in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is very important to know and to notice that Ephesians, as also the other epistles, are written to believers in the first place and mainly. This is very important. On the other hand, there is enough gospel in for anyone to get saved in any of the letters, but mainly they are written for believers, those which already have come into the church of Jesus Christ. To understand fully the nature of the church, I believe that as we read those portions, those few verses in chapter 1, we should spend some time concerning the doctrine of predestination and the doctrine of adoption. This we find in Ephesians verse, uh, 1, verse 4 and 5. Because there is much confusion as to the nature of these doctrines, I mean concerning predestination and adoption. Let me, in the light of the Bible, The whole council of God flatly says that all people are called. All are called. But of course it is very true that only a few respond to the word of God. Let me further say that the teaching that God predestinated some to heaven and others he predestinated them to hell is wrong and this is from satan that is not found in the word of god in the bible i believe in the sovereignty of god with all my heart i also believe in the free will of man both doctrines are in the bible if you ask me where do the two meet i don't know But it is true that God's love is shed abroad over all people, for God so loved the world. It's also true, whosoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Again, it's very important that we realize and see that it is written, Ephesians, for believers. Now let us look a little bit closer in verse 4, what it says there. It says there, according as he has chosen us. Now this us refers again to verse uh, 1 in the same chapter, where Paul says and addresses this letter to the saints, to the saints only. He has chosen us in him. This is very important, in Him. Anyone coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is in Him and is chosen in Him. Does it say here that He has chosen us to heaven? No, it doesn't say so. Does it say so that us are chosen for hellfire? No, it doesn't say so. What does it say here? He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy. That is the thing, that we should be holy. We are called to be holy. Who? Those which believe. The others cannot be holy. That is an impossibility. They have to come first to Jesus Christ as their Savior. Then they can be holy in him. So it is very clear that the believers are meant here Then in verse 5, it says, Having predestinated us, having predestinated us unto heaven. Is that what it says there? No. uh, Predestinated some to hell? No, that is not what it says. It says predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, (coughs) unto the adoption of children. If we now would understand what adoption means in a biblical sense, we would find it easier to understand what predestination is. Let me say, first of all, that biblical adoption is not what we generally believe see what adoption is in this world. Let me make it very clear by a story about a family which I know. There's a husband and wife and they are longing and waiting to get a child. And it hasn't happened. They are married for seven years already. And they went from doctor to doctor. But each doctor says the same, you cannot have a baby. You will not have a baby. Finally, they decide to adopt a child. And they went through all the legal channels. And after a year where they worked on this, they receive a child into their family. This child will bear the name, and bear the name of the parents. But this child is not born into this family at all. This child didn't come from the sperm of the father, nor did it come out of the womb of the mother, of the the parents. The parents of this child are living somewhere else. The new parents may not know where they are. But this child is not born into this family. Or I don't say that it won't receive the love necessary from her parents and from the parents. It did in a wonderful way. And all those which didn't know that the child was adopted, everybody was sure that this was the child of them. The real and legal child. But there was no blood relationship. Am I right? And this is not what Biblical adoption is. You know that we are born into the family of God. Do you know that there is a blood relationship which is so much greater than any adoption. The Lord Jesus Christ gave his precious blood that we might be born into his family. We are of his flesh and of his bones. That's what the scripture says. Isn't this marvelous? Isn't this wonderful? But the story of this family goes on. You know what happened? About three months later, when they had this child, adopted child in the family, one day the husband comes home from work. And she says to him, you know, I have to tell you a secret. I said, but I'll let you guess. What is it? And he takes his first guess. Oh, no, she says. No, no. He tries a second time. Something else is far off. Can't get it. Can't get it. Finally, she says something, something into his ear. And he responds, that. no, that can't be. How can this be? And she says, oh, yes, it is. You know what happened? Yes, you guessed right. They will have a baby. They will have a baby. It happens many times this way. And now this baby is born into the family, into this family. Do we see the difference? This baby comes from the womb of the mother and from the sperm of the father. And this is what we are in a spiritual sense. We are blood-related children in the family of God. This is marvelous. This is great. But what does adoption mean here? What does it mean? I think we should look into some other portions of scriptures to find out what it uh, really means what biblical adoption is and for some of us it might be quite new what we discover here let us turn to Romans 8:23 Romans 8:23 it says here and not only they but ourselves also which has the first fruits of the spirit Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. You know what it says here? That adoption is future yet. That adoption tells us here that we are not finally redeemed Oh, we are redeemed already. But the process of uh, redemption is going on and will be complete when Jesus comes. This is what adoption means here. The body has not yet been glorified, our body. If our redemption would be complete, you know, our dear sister, Mother Etchett, She wouldn't crawl to the church here. She would would jump like a young girl, happy. Oh dear Alma, she wouldn't peek to the music written here to get some notes on the piano. Our body is not glorified yet. Our redemption is not complete yet. That is what it says here. We are waiting. This is the adoption. It is not finally yet. Isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? He will give us a new body and our redemption will be complete and fully. Now we are walking walking by faith and not by sight. But our faith must be replaced by sight when we will wake up in his presence and will see with our own eyes our beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we will come to the completeness. And then we will have the adoption, what the Bible speaks about here. So this is what it says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Are you waiting? The more we love our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the more we will wait for that day when he will come. And this is so great. You know, I was struck and I gave this testimony on Wednesday and it is still with me. You know, while I went on Wednesday, I was sitting in the Long Island Rail Railroad and reading John 6 and where this story is where the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ are crossing the Sea of Galilee, you know, and they are in the midst at night, uh, rowing hard against the wind and against the waves. And then it says in John 6, and when Jesus came into their boat, the boat was immediately at the other side. You know, we might think we have still a lot of time ahead of us. We have still a time of struggle and who knows how far off it is. The other shore, all we see it, we, we know that we will get there, but there is still some distance. But as soon as Jesus comes to us, we will be there might be today this is wonderful but back to our text in ephesians verse 4 and 5 so he has predestinated us in him this is wonderful you know by seeing this that we are predestinated in him we never can say that the opposite is true—that He has predestinated some others to anything. You know that the door is wide open for anyone to come. Do you don't ever believe anyone coming to the Lord Jesus Christ in this time of grace that the Lord Jesus? will say to him, Oh no, I have not predestinated you to heaven. You are predestinated to hell. You can't come. This is not found in the Bible, in the Word of God. Now let me give you two marvelous invitation texts which are found in the Bible. One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. Turn with me to Isaiah 55, 1. Isaiah fifty five one Then what it says here Ho every one that service Come he to the waters and he that has no money come buy and eat yea come buy wine and milk without money and without price Come Do you think that the Lord Jesus will fool anyone? That whosoever comes in no wine, wise, I will cast out. The door is wide open for anyone to come to buy without money. Salvation is free. You cannot buy it. This is found here in the Old Testament. And now let us turn to an invitation text in the New Testament. And I take here the last one which is found in the Word of God. That is Revelation, the, uh, the last chapter, 22. And let us look into seventeen. That is the last invitation text found in the Word of God. It says in the last chapter here in seventeen, and the Spirit and the Bride say come, and let him that heareth say come, and let him that is the source come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Isn't this marvellous? Do you think that the Lord Jesus would fool anyone? No, we are predestinated in Him. Anyone who comes to Him is predestinated in Him. That is the thing. The door is wide open. He has chosen us that we should be holy. That is all what it says here. Nothing more, nothing less. But it is true by the foreknowledge of God That he knew that we would come. And that he knows who will come. We don't see the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ complete. But the Lord Jesus sees it. You know that our church registers, whatever denomination it might be, does not match the register which the Lord Jesus has. It's not identical. Has nothing to do with it. So many people trust that they will be saved because their name is written in some church register. And high intelligent man, a while ago I I tried to witness to one of the greatest artists, I won't mention his name, he's too well known, but he said, Franz, why don't you worry about me? Don't worry about me, I am Jewish, if Moses is there, he will let me in. My wife is Catholic. If Peter is there, he will let me in. I have a son-in-law. He is an Episcopalian minister. If it is a Protestant way, then I will be there. Why don't you worry about me? Lord Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will come to the Father but by me. Let me make it very clear that the door is wide open yet for anyone to come. Now let us go into our second portion. We don't have much time left, but I thought it is worthwhile spending this time about predestination and adoption. Look it up again, it is marvelous, and your Schofield Bible will help you greatly too to see that this is something which is yet future, and has nothing to do with adoption as we know it in a general uh, sense in this world. Now we come to verse 11 in our text, in uh, Ephesians 2. Paul wrote this letter to a Gentile church, which is called here in verse 11, the uncircumcision. Three weeks ago we spent some time talking about law and grace as it is found in the Word of God. And we saw that the Jewish people had a hard time to make room for the Gentiles in the Church of Jesus Christ. Remember that those uh, coming down to Jerusalem saying that The Gentiles have to be circumcised in order to be saved. They had a hard time to understand and to believe that we are saved by faith and by faith only without works. And here as we uh, look into these well-known verses in Ephesians 8 and 9, it makes it so clear that it is without works and that it is by grace. For by grace are he saved through faith. And this is verse 8. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we said how important it is that we see this. You know, as you go through the world, and I'm now a Christian for over 25 years, and You know, you ask so many people, how do you get to heaven? And you know, those which claim themselves Christians, they will come with all kind of things, you know, by prayer, by going to church, you know. And yet to find those which will say, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you is hardly to find anyone. But there is no other way into the church of Jesus Christ Lord Jesus pointing to himself. He said, I am the door. I am the door. And we tried to make this clear to this Catholic people where we talked to on Monday night. Right, other? Uh, he said, the way is narrow. It is very narrow. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. No one will enter into any other way. It is an impossibility. The way is narrow." And he is the same yesterday, today, in all eternity. He hasn't changed, the book has not changed, the way has not changed. But they thought we are very old-fashioned. We are not talking like men which are living in the 20th century or in the seventies. The Lord has no other way. And it is marvelous in this few verses here to see that the wall of partition which was between the Jew and the Gentiles was broken down. There was a wall of partition in the temple in Jerusalem where the Gentiles were outside but the Jews were inside within the holies. And it is uh, marvelous too to see that this wall of partition is broken down by Jesus Christ. Any wall of partition in this world is broken down by Jesus Christ. You know, I feel so sorry for those young people which believe by demonstrating, by rebellion, by breaking down, by destroying our society, they will bring peace. It doesn't work this way. It is an impossibility. Peace is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and only in him. The Lord Jesus deals with the heart first and then everything falls in place. But I feel so much with them, those young people, today, you know, because I was exactly the same. I had lost my faith in God. My heart was full of hate, hate against the Americans which had come to, uh, to kill our city. And my brother died. My br- brother died in Russia. The Russians killed him on a death march when he couldn't move anymore. And it came to end, and those which fell on the wayside. There was a commando walking behind this great column going through the desert there in the Ukraine and they killed those and shot them which couldn't march anymore. That is how my brother was killed. And then the truth came out what the Nazis had done to the Jews after the war. And I was so confused. And my heart was so full of hate. Hate against anyone, everyone. But when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it was weeks later, you know, a new world opens. And of a sudden I see, oh, my heart is hate is gone. My heart was full of love and going out in love to others, urging them to come also to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And my hate was gone against Americans. I never forget this, Uh, you know, reading then the word of God and coming to uh, Romans 3.23 where it says, Uh, All have sinned and of a sudden I see that we are all in the same boat. All have sinned. If we are Americans or English or German or Russian or Chinese or Japanese or black and white, all have sinned. But God's love is spread abroad in Jesus Christ over all the world. For God so loved the world, the whole world. You know when you get from country to country, you see that those particular country you come to, that those people believe that they are superior. That is how the Germans were. That is how they taught us in in school. We made all the inventions, you know, we were uh, superior. When you come to Russians, it's exactly the same uh, way. You look into their school books and you see that they are superior. They invented everything, the Russians, everything, from the bicycle down, you know. And this is true. And you come to america too they believe that they are the greatest country in the world god's own country they say oh my there's nothing wrong with this that's fine to have some patriotism we all should have a little bit more in this day but uh, uh, believe me to see this that we are all in the same boat and that we all have come have to come the same way like it says here and he has called bows the Jews and the Gentiles into the family of God. A marvelous thing, which only God can do, which never man will do, will never be able to do this by his own thinking, philosophy, and reasoning. It is an impossibility. Oh, there are many forces in this world, and some are well-meant, but all they do and they can do, they try to reach, To reach the heart by some reasoning from the outside and hope that something will happen in the heart. It doesn't work this way. The Lord Jesus deals with the heart first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, nor other things will be added unto you. And as soon as our relationship is right with him, then everything falls into place. This is so marvellous, this is so great. And i would like to say a word about the church of jesus christ the temple of the holy spirit which is in a wonderful picture given to us here in those last verses in the word of god where it says and you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets this is verse 20. jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom he also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You know that we have a temple of God today, and the temple of God is the church of Jesus Christ where the Holy Spirit lives. You know, uh, when we say the house of God, uh, you know, there's only but one thing true about the house of God, and this is found in the word of God, and uh, the house of God here in the word of God consists of living stones of you and me, which God takes and builds them together into the holy temple of God. It is not biblical to speak about the house of God, meaning a church building. You You do not find it in the word of God. As a matter of fact, Paul even says in Athens, he says, And God does not live in houses made by hands. Only in one sense does this place become the house of God. As we walk in, having the Holy Spirit indwelled in us, this becomes the house of God. If we see it in this sense this is correct and right but see this and this is so marvelous there was a temple in jerusalem at jesus days this was uh, the place where god dwelt among his people and it is very uh, important and marvelous too to see that uh, jesus speaks about that temple that it will be left desolate when he spoke those words The temple was still standing, but he said that it will be desolate. And uh, turn with me for a moment to John, uh, the fifth chapter, where he talks to the Samaritan woman. And he speaks, uh, and this woman comes to the Lord Jesus with a question of quell, which is on her mind. And she says, Our Father, in verse 20, worshipped in this mountain And he says that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus says unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when he shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. And now he speaks about the spiritual house of God. He worships not what we know, but we worship, uh, but he worships he know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So here he already speaks about the church age, where the spiritual temple of God comes into existence, which consists of you and of me, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is called here the temple of God, which is marvelous. Nevertheless, there will be again a, a, temp- a, a material temple in Jerusalem. And we can't go into this, but this is marvelous to see. When this church age comes to an end, when the body of Jesus Christ is taken up with him, and he will, we will be with the Lord, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God, The spiritual temple will be gone and will be with him and then again a material temple will come into existence at the place where it stood before in Jerusalem. Isn't this wonderful how God deals and how wonderful is that uh, what he has in store for us. Well, as I said before, the Lord calls us everyone to come. There we have read those great invitation texts. And anyone not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ yet, he is calling you this morning. Come, take the water of life freely, without pay. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Put your trust in him. Let us pray. Our heavenly Father, now we thank you, Father, time spent together in thy word, Lord, I was thrilled with the message you gave to me, O Lord, and I have prayed that I would be able, Lord, to express it in such a way that we would understand. O Lord, it is so wonderful, so great, thy salvation, Lord, something which is hid from the eyes of those in the world who don't want to come, but Father, we thank you that you have opened your eyes for this great salvation that Jesus dwells in us. We have put our trust in him with all our hearts. We have embraced salvation in him. Thank you, Lord, and for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, and we would pray anyone here that now you would speak to hearts that they may open and see that the door is open, that the Holy Spirit is calling, come and take the water of life freely. Lord, bless us together throughout this day. May everything what we do, what we say, may be to thy honor and to thy glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.